Hey everyone, and welcome to the Sunny Go One Piece podcast. On this episode, we're going to be diving into episodes 239 through 241, which will cover manga chapters 338 through 342. And things are getting worse for the Straw Hats, and now they're having to decide whether Robin is really a friend or a foe. So, the synopsis. Frankie and Luffy's brawl gets broken up by the Galila shipwrights. Luffy is then accused of being connected in the assassination of Iceberg via Robin being witnessed at the scene of the crime. They do eventually escape, but the Straw Hats now have to find Robin and figure out what is going on. Alright, so differences. Most of these are pretty minor, and, and again, they're mostly just scene shuffling, but... There is one added scene where we get to see in the anime Kokoro and Chimini and Gombe getting off the sea train, which was not in the manga. However, the mask lady joke was in the manga, but it's shown much later on and sort of completely separate from Kokoro getting off the train. And then in the manga, the scene where Sanji and Chopper warn Usopp about the Aqua Laguna happens earlier in between the fight between Luffy, Frankie, and the Galila shipwrights. Whereas in the anime, this scene happens just after Luffy and Nami have already escaped the number one dock area. Next in the anime, we see a scene of Zoro having actually caught up to Nami and Luffy as they're being chased. And in the manga, when we see them next, they're already under the bridge. So we never actually get to see how they got there in the, in the manga. But we do get to see a little bit of what happens prior to them hiding under the bridge. Then the scene with Usopp buying the supplies to fix the Mary is moved up before the scene where the Straw Hats actually discuss what to do next. In the manga, those two scenes are actually reversed. And again, I don't think there's really much more to these changes other than for pacing and flow of the episode so that they break at the right moments so that they leave on specific cliffhangers so that they flow better. Okay, so let's get into my thoughts on these episodes. So this is the first time we actually get an opening scene or a cold open before the opening theme. Most of the time, it's kind of an excuse for Toei to pad out more time to repeat scenes so they have to include less new content in each episode. But sometimes it does show a bit of new footage at the very beginning, but it's usually pretty minimal and it's like the last couple minutes of it. And so, yeah, we get these sort of opening moments before the actual theme song comes on. But to actually start getting into the content... To start off, it's interesting here that Frankie shows some concern and interest as to whether Iceberg died or not, when it seems like Frankie has, you know, kind of been a social outcast that seems to be antagonistic towards the entirety of the Galila company, so you'd think he wouldn't really care what Iceberg, you know, condition, you know, his condition is. Luffy, true to himself, even after witness testimony, still believes in his Nakama and defends Robin, Presumably thinking that there's been some sort of a mistake or a reason for Robin being there. Also another example of Luffy being true to himself, he isn't going to hurt anyone that really doesn't deserve it, nor does he have a reason to actually fight, so he spends most of this fight running or defending himself rather than actually attacking. And one of my favorite gags is it cutting to Frankie out of nowhere with a random coffee table and some tea enjoying the show, cheering the Galila company on for some reason, but he quickly pivots to being annoyed at them taking his target away from him and throwing the coffee table in frustration and almost as if he's materialized the table from nowhere just for this gag of getting pissed and flipping the table for dramatic effect. And <laughs> I, I really love, again, I love the absurdist humor in, in One Piece. It's just like, where did this table come from? Why is he so calm drinking tea? I love the whole tea drinking thing that Oda goes to. 
I mean, we haven't really seen this gag since Little Garden, but anytime a character is just sort of like just incoherently relaxing and drinking tea, it's just the funniest thing to me during like a chaotic moment. But with his newfound anger, Frankie then unleashes an air cannon attack called Coup de Vent, which is French for gust of wind, to get rid of the galley of the company so he can go back to beating up Luffy. One thing I've always wondered about this move is, where does he keep that connector thing hidden? Like, it's like this huge, like, T-pipe thing. And <laughs> I get that Frankie is like a cyborg, and it's probably somewhere in him, but I don't think it's in either of his arms, because his left arm is the machine gun, and presumably all the ammunition is kept in there, while his right arm is literally just like this hollowed-out show with the fist and chains. So... Where is this thing held? And again, later on, we'll see what's actually inside of his stomach. And it's definitely not kept in there. So, like, where where does he get this thing from? But anyways, that's just like a weird, you know, in-universe question that has nothing to do with anything that I always like to think about. However, the chaos as a result of this gives Luffy a chance to grab Nami and escape to regroup. We get a really fun and cute scene with Sanji and Chopper trying to get across to Usopp by faking a conversation about the Aqua Laguna to warn him. And I love how they stand there to make sure Usopp heard their message. And as soon as they hear the noise inside, they book it out of there. And this scene is pretty funny and really sweet on their parts. We then see the aftermath of Frankie's destruction. And another thing we learn about Frankie is how he does seem to run on fuel. And you can even see when he's out of fuel, his hair loses its shape and flops down to indicate when he's running on empty, which is a really neat character design, a choice by Oda, and I've always loved this about Frankie. Luffy and Nami find Iceberg's house and just bursts in there, even after Nami tells Luffy they need to figure out which room Iceberg is actually in, and they need to go in quietly. However, in a shocking turn of events, Iceberg actually has Khalifa find and show Luffy where Iceberg is so they can talk privately. Iceberg then corners Luffy into letting him speak to Robin again. And I have to say, this mystery just gets crazier and crazier as you don't know what is actually going on. And it's still really hard to piece together because you don't have all the pieces. And as the viewer, you you know neither side is really lying at this point. At least I believe Iceberg when he says he did see Robin. And of course we be, believe Luffy. when, But we don't quite yet know what is going on with Robin. But for me... I remember at that time, even though Robin was introduced with a dark origin and has been somewhat aloof and distant towards the crew, I believe that she still was loyal to the crew and that there had to be some explanation as to why she was there that night as an accomplice to the attempted assassination. Of course, Luffy doesn't believe Iceberg and has absolute trust in Robin, which is what we all expect from Luffy, but it's still very concerning that Robin is just kind of hiding from the crew and acting all strange. I think for Luffy, he just had that usual gut feeling and instinct about people and knows what kind of person Robin is deep down, and that's why he accepted her request to join in the first place all the way back in Alabasta. However, we see Robin sitting in the shadows in the city, observing how everyone was turning against the Straw Hats and not seemingly batting an eye, and Oda does a really good job of sowing the seeds of doubt by this point, but just like how the Straw Hats are all confused with you know, all the pressure mounting on them, so too as the reader or viewer, do you get the sense, you know, with so many things going wrong and so many potential threats to worry about, your head is kind of spinning at this point, trying to make sense of everything, but you're unable to 
And you don't really have that anchor point that we've normally had, which was the fact that if the crew is together, they can overcome anything. But even that safety net, you know, has now been taken away from us. And we're just left scrambling with our thoughts and emotions while watching this craziness unfold. Kind of an offhand joke is inserted at the beginning of episode 240, which I laughed out loud at, was when Kokoro, Chimney, and Gombe are getting off the train. All the authorities are asking people to unmask as they pass by. And, and there's, a, there's an officer asking a woman to remove her mask, and she's telling him that's her real face. And I find that little throwaway joke hilarious, as that's the kind of, like... That's a little bit of Toei original. The scene, like I mentioned in the different section, is actually in the manga. But the dialogue of her like telling him over that that's her real face was added in by Toei. Because that dialogue is not in the manga. We then get another funny moment where Nami gets angry with Luffy for jumping off the buildings with her. But then says that it's fine since they got down anyways. And Luffy's reaction gets me every time. It's like... If it's fine, don't hit me. <laughs> I love I love that. Like, you didn't have a It's pretty funny. Luffy getting all, like, actually pissed off. We then hop over back to Frankie as he enters a bar and threatening all the patrons at first, except the bar owner, Bluno, and then Kokoro seem to be fine. But everyone eventually comes around as he pays for all their tabs with the leftover money from the, the money that they stole from the Straw Hats. However, this scene shows us a lot of different things about Frankie. First off, that Kokoro, Chimney, and Bluno don't seem to be afraid of him and are even somewhat on friendly terms with him, which makes you wonder even more if he's really the villain of the arc. And by this point, I personally was fairly convinced that he wasn't the main antagonist. The other really fun and cool aspects is that the fuel Frankie uses is actually cola soda. Like, what a crazy idea. That is not at all what I expected or probably anyone expected and he reveals that his entire stomach area is like a fridge and his abs just open up like a door where he sticks in three bottles in there and he's refueled and this makes his hair go back to its normal rigid state and we also get the first of his trademark super and the funny thing is he still drinks cola normally too like it's not as a fuel but as a refreshment it's it's really weird but then again, that's Oda for you. And at this point, I you, you begin to realize what a goldmine of like comedy Frankie could be. Like his entire body is just so weird. And not to, to spoil too much, but yeah, there's a lot of lot more like crazy shit that <laughs> Frankie's body can do. We then get a very interesting conversation between Kokoro and Frankie as they talk about Iceberg's assassination attempt. Kokoro then drops some very, very intriguing knowledge on us as she tells Frankie that she doesn't believe one bit that the Straw Hats were the assassins. And instead, this is only our second mention of this mysterious CP9 organization, as she insinuates that it has something closely tied to the world government, which makes the CP9 sort of like a black ops team the government uses for covert missions. She really sets these guys up to be a scary threat, and now we start to get a sense of who the true villains of this arc are going to be, and it's no doubt this CP9 organization. Then we finally get to see them have a meeting with Robin. While they're mostly shrouded in the shadows, so we don't quite get to see their faces yet, but it really does seem like Robin is working with them now to get whatever it is from Iceberg, as he is the only surviving apprentice of a guy named Tom. Presumably, the Puffing Tom is named after this guy, 
but we don't really know much more about that. Getting back to Sanji and Chopper, while still searching, Chopper catches Robin's scent and finally catches up to her, but she shocks us and says that she has no intention to return. And she says she's sorry for pinning the crimes on them, but she confirms herself that it was her at Iceberg's house that night. Then she starts saying all these things we can't believe we're hearing. All the dark parts of her past are starting to catch up, and Aokiji's ominous words about how she'll become too much for them to handle is starting to come to pass. However, there is one moment that kind of gives you a shred of hope, because it, it really does stand out. How she says it was a short time together, but thank you for being kind to a person like me. And to me, if she truly didn't care and wanted to just take advantage of the straw hats and use them to survive, why would she say something like that? Especially after all those signs up till now that she was finally starting to really find her place with the crew and enjoying herself with them. Something just doesn't add up. With that, Robin says her goodbyes and begins to retreat into the shadows. And unable to reach her because of the water canal, Sanji runs into the water to go after her, but she he's unable to catch up to her. This definitely hurts because it really seems like Robin is intent on leaving the Straw Hats, whether it's willfully or unwillingly. Although, I think we all know that there will be some way that she comes back, but as of now, the crew is in such a compromised state for the first time in the series, the Straw Hats actually feel vulnerable, and it is a really unsettling feeling, with two members now missing, they have no ship, everyone's just scattered, and yeah, you just really get this sense of... They're, they're just not cohesive anymore, and they are really vulnerable for the first time. After Chopper reunites and finds the other three, while Sanji goes off and does his own thing, like always, we get a really touching scene, in my opinion, of Usopp pleading with one of the hardware store owners to sell him supplies to fix the Mary. And this scene, for some reason, always gets me um, a little emotional, as Usopp is clearly desperate, and the shop is closing up in preparation for the Aqua Laguna. So he doesn't want to go through the hassle uh, of selling stuff to Usopp, but eventually sees how desperate Usopp is and decides to help him out. This scene gets me for two reasons. One, it's sad but also inspirational how devoted Usopp is to the Mary and how determined he is to fix her up. And clearly he is still struggling from his injuries from both the fight with Fr the Frankie family as well as with Luffy. But two, it's the kindness the shop owner shows Usopp by sensing... There's something more going on with this guy and decides to offer him some rice balls because he knows he's hungry. And he didn't have to do this at all, but he saw someone who was going through a rough time and decided to help him. And I love seeing that kind of like emotional intelligence and willingness to help. It's something you wish you could see more in real life and, you know, something that I hope to emulate myself in real life. We finally get back to Luffy and company as Chopper informs them of what happened with Robin. And of course, Luffy is forceful in his reaction but all this whole interaction as we see the original three straw hats showcasing their strengths and personalities to decide on how they're going to approach their next moves. I know I sound like a broken record at this point, but Zoro and Nami being the counsel to Luffy is great. And I love it whenever it happens. Zoro explains the tactical side of what they need to consider when approaching the situation with Robin. While Nami talks about the more practical and logistical side of things with Luffy ultimately being the one to make the final call as to what they do next with the information that they both provide him. I particularly love Zoro's line about how in his mind, he hasn't really decided one way or the other when it comes to Robin's allegiance. As he, as if he, you know, he mentions if he leans one way or the other, and if it turns out to be the opposite, 
his reactions will be compromised. And like, what an amazing outlook. Like, seriously, I love that philosophy. And it's a good philosophy to live by in real life, too. Basically, be prepared for whatever outcome may be so that you're not caught off balance if it doesn't go the way you had thought. And I absolutely love that. And and it's just, yeah, it, it's so true. Like, if you commit yourself to just one outcome, then, yeah, if things don't go your way, you may be caught, like, off balance and just un you know unprepared to deal with the opposite reaction and yeah I, I think that's a really good like lesson to live by in real life this also brings it full circle as that initial apprehension that Zoro had all the way back when Robin joined the crew nearly 100 episodes before kind of comes back to like this is the moment we have to decide is she a friend or foe with that, though, Luffy is still unconvinced that Robin has truly betrayed them and is willing to risk having the assassination of Iceberg pinned on them if it means that they can capture Robin and ask her directly what is going on. With that, they decide to go to the Galila Company one more time to try and catch Robin. Back with Frankie, he realizes he's still super pissed with Luffy and goes out to look for them. The Frankie family catch up with him and lets him know that Usopp is still with the Mary, so now, believing that he's still part of their crew decides to capture Usopp and the Mary, which is bad news because who knows what they're going to do to Usopp once they have him again, especially after what they did to the Frankie house. One thing I find hilarious about this scene, though, is, it's, and it's a testament to Oda's sense of humor and attention to detail, both at the same time, is that Mozu and Kiwi have to walk sideways because of their flat square hairstyles that make them prone to get blown over by the high winds to, from the impending Aqua Laguna. And just, I mean, it's such a stupid detail, but it's so funny. And to finish it off, we get the setup for the Galila Company and the second assassination attempt as the five primary shipwrights, Kaku, Polly, Luchi, Lulu, and Tilestone, all wait outside Iceberg's bedroom. And I always thought this was a really cool shot for some reason. There's just something about how they're all positioned from smallest to largest, framed by that large door. It just looks really good, both in the manga and in the anime. We get one final conversation with Iceberg and Khalifa about Robin and what his fascination with her is before the episode ends, but he calls Robin a devil almost as if he has some personal history with her, which makes us way more intrigued in this whole thing. This, I also, I also believe, is the first time her eventual bounty epithet is referenced, the devil child or demon child, Akuma no Ko. I, I think, I guess devil was probably more appropriate in this one. But with that, Luffy and company hide in the nearby tree for the commotion to start as the last thing we see is Robin and the masked man from CP9 arrive. So yeah, another crazy cliffhanger to end off on. And as you'll begin to see, pretty much every episode in Water 7 ends on a crazy cliffhanger. But we're not even close yet as the next podcast will talk about where things really get insane for this story as many of the threads start to come together to reveal something truly shocking. At least it was to me at the time. But yeah, if you did enjoy this, send me a like or comment. And if you want to join me on this journey of rewatching One Piece, please consider subscribing. Check out my Instagram and Twitter account at Podcast if you want updates of when I post new episodes or see some pictures of my manga collection. Check those out. And thank you again to everybody who's sent me all those kind messages so far. Um, yeah, those have really been awesome and just kind of interacting with, with you guys so far. So thank you very much. 
And as always, I want to thank you for taking the time out to listen to my podcast. Stay safe out there. Uh, no spoiler section for this one because a lot of this stuff will pretty much come up in the next few episodes anyways. So I don't really need feel the need to talk about it in the spoiler section. But yeah, I hope to see you on the next episode. Bye. Bye.